Um, we're going to be ending the service today with, with communion, so hold on to your things, and if you're watching online, now would be a good time to find some elements that you can uh, take, take part in communion with us. Um, we're starting a new series today, and uh, I've, I've entitled it Kingdom Come, and we're going to be talking about the kingdom of God, and it's this... Um, it's kind of coined throughout Scripture. If we read throughout the, the Bible, specifically in the, uh, the New Testament, it's, it's said a few different ways. It's called the, the kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, or just the kingdom. Uh, it's referred to in kind of all of those different places, and the term kind of has some intensity around it. It kind of has some intimidation around it um, that comes along with it. And you've probably heard about it, we've, you've read about it, you've, you've heard Jesus speak about it, but if we're really honest, we aren't fully sure what it is, where it is, and uh, what it looks like. And so, at sometimes you, you read about it, and the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, kingdom of Christ, the kingdom seems to be describing like heaven, the, the sweet by and by. And then there's other times where it seems to be describing something current, like right now, it's this already but not yet present kind of idea, that it's, that it's present yet it's not fully realized. So it's something that um, when we talk about the kingdom of God, it's something that we're residents of, that we're citizens in, but it also takes up residence in us. It's this really kind of convoluted idea. Jesus talks about it a lot, the kingdom of God teaches about it. Even when he says, you know, the, if you, you know, grew up Catholic or anything like that, you know the, the Lord's Prayer, like, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That portion right there, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It's this idea that the kingdom of God is doing God's will on earth just as it is in heaven. So it's this, it's this idea the kingdom of God is a pre-existing place, a pre-existing thing, and yet it can also be prayed or ushered into existence here on earth. That's the kingdom, the kingdom of God. If I'm honest, it's a bit confusing. Um, and I think even, even within the church world, we, we kind of know it, and yet we don't necessarily have a full grasp of what it is that, um, that the Bible talks about. So we're going we're gonna to get into the Word today. Um, if you wouldn't mind standing with me as we honor the reading of God's Word. We're going we're gonna to read Mark chapter 12. I'm going to read this, talk about it for a second, and then we're going to actually go to Mark chapter 1 and, and, and process through that today. But let's stand and honor God's word in Mark chapter 12, verse 28. Jesus is talking with a scribe. One of the teachers of the law came and uh, heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? And Jesus says, the most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You're right in saying that God is one and there's no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. And then verse 34, it says this, when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said this to him, and it's kind of curious. He says, you are not far from the kingdom of God. You're not far from the kingdom of God. 
The title of the message today is Not Far. Let's pray. Lord, I, I thank you that, um, that this kingdom that you came to usher in to bring, this kingdom that we have understanding and yet still have questions about. Lord, I pray that as we talk about it over the next few weeks, Lord, I pray that we would come to know the king and his kingdom to a greater degree. I pray for a revelation of what it looks like, the good news of the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. You be seated. Well, at first glance, you might wonder, like, why in the world does Jesus tell this scribe you're not far from the kingdom of God. And you might think like, okay, well, maybe it's just because this guy is agreeing with Jesus because we all like our own ideas, right? So when somebody agrees with me, I'm like, that, you get it, you got it. It's almost like Jesus might be saying to him like, you got it, man, just keep using that noggin. You're getting closer. You know, you just keep trying harder and you might, you might, you might get there, right? You're, you're agreeing with me. And so I like when people agree with me. I, I don't think that's what Jesus is impressed by. I don't think that's what, why Jesus actually offers praise to this scribe. I think he was impressed with what he said in verse 33. Let's go back to it. He says this, to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says this, is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. I think that's what struck Jesus. I think that I think that this, this guy getting it, like Jesus is agreeing with him and saying like, you know what? I think you're, you're tapping into something that when you peel back all the trappings of Christianity, when you, trip, when you peel back even the laws that you keep and your tithing and your serving and your sacrifices, all those things are good things, but they aren't the most important thing. What matters most is the condition of your heart. This is what Jesus is getting at. And this is what this scribe is understanding. Like the, the, the thing that matters the most is the quality of your relationship to God. Out of all the things that you're doing or not doing and trying to be good here and not sinning here and giving and serving and all of those things, those are all great. But the most important thing is your relationship with God and others. Which means that you can be keeping all the laws and then you can be trying not to sin, and you can be sacrificing, and you can be giving, and you can even know your scriptures and still be keeping the kingdom of God at a distance. This is what Jesus is agreeing with. This is what this scribe is understanding, maybe that most people didn't, even for us. Because his kingdom is not a matter of law, it's a matter of love. And this scribe gets it, which is why Jesus says, you are not far from the kingdom of God. So if he's held back, maybe he's, he's not necessarily, you know, he's not far, but he's not in the kingdom. So why is he still not yet entering the kingdom? It's not because he hasn't tried hard enough. It's not because he's still got some uh, unrepentant sin that he, you know, he's messing with. It's not because he's not perfect yet that he can't enter the kingdom of God yet. It may just be because he doesn't realize that the king is standing right in front of him. As he's talking to Jesus himself, he may not realize that Jesus is this king of this kingdom, this new kingdom in this new king. And just like Nicodemus, like when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he comes up to Nicodemus and Nicodemus is um, asking him, you know, like how to, you know, 
you're, 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 so, you're so noteworthy, you know all these things. And Jesus says, you cannot see the kingdom of God and you cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you're born again. The kingdom is not far, but to see it and to enter it, it does require you to love and to submit to the king. That's the hard part. And see, see I don't think Satan really cares that you're coming to church. I don't think he's wringing his, his hands like, oh no, did you see how many people were in the second service? Oh my gosh. Talking to his demons like, what are we going to do? Right? I, I, I actually don't think that he's like, he's, he's that concerned about your church attendance because if you make church your God, it will quickly disappoint you. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been disappointed in church. Um, I also don't, I think he's fine with people becoming um, political conservatives. I, I, I really, I, I think he's, he's, because if you make political conservative your, your God, then, then you'll quickly just, hmm. I think he's fine with you becoming uh, theologically orthodox. I think he's fine. I even think that, that Satan's fine with you holding to and touting Judeo-Christian ethics as long as you don't get close to Jesus. As long as you don't bow your knee to the king. And the greatest fear that I have as a pastor, as a leader, even as, an, as a Christian man myself, is that in my, um, my love to want to move forward, in my, in my attraction to the things of God, that I will make the things of God my king rather than the king who is the king, of the kingdom of God. We'll get so close, but you're not far. You're so close. But in order to see the kingdom, in order to enter the kingdom, you must be born again. This is what Jesus communicates time and time and time and time and time again. And he invites people into the kingdom. And he calls it, I mean, essentially, he describes it as life, not just life, but abundant life. He says, like, I'm not just here to give you life. I'm here to give you abundant life. And so I'm inviting you into this new life right now. I'm inviting you into this. It is not something that um, is for the sweet by and by. It's for right now. And so this kingdom of God um, is really important to Jesus. And, and if, you've, if you've read through, as I was studying this week, as the Lord was just kind of bringing me to this, this whole idea of going through and talking about the, the kingdom coming and stuff, um, I was thinking, like, how important is the kingdom of God to Jesus? How much does he talk about it? How much does he preach about it? How integral is the kingdom of God to the gospel? Turn with me to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, um, let me just give you a little bit of a background. Obviously, Mark chapter 1 is the beginning, beginning of Mark's gospel, so a lot happens at the beginning of Mark chapter 1. Um, Mark ch chapter, Mark, uh, the gospel of Mark is a little bit shorter um, than, than some of the other um, gospels, but Mark just finishes recounting Jesus getting baptized by John the Baptist, and then he goes into the desert. We all know that whole thing where he's tempted by Satan for 40 days and 40 nights, and he comes out of the, the desert in the power of the Holy Spirit is what uh, another translation says, that they, he goes in and he starts preaching to people. And around the same time is when he's gathering followers and calling them, come follow me, but he's preaching. And my question has always been like, what, we, we don't really get, I mean, we get some like Sermon on the Mount and this is Jesus's sermon, but what was he preaching to these people? When he comes out of the desert and he's preaching, what is his main message? 
as a pastor, like I've got all these, you know, every week it's a different message. We're, we're in a theme. We're in a, but what is Jesus's theme? What is he talking about? What is it that, that he's going around preaching? What is his sermon series on? And in verse 14, we see it. After John was put in prison, Mark chapter 1, verse 14, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming, catch this, the good news of God. So that's what he's talking about. His main sermon is about the good news of God. But the question is this, what is the good news of God? And if you grew up going to Sunday school, you would know the answer. Because you'd be like, well, the good news is the gospel. They're like the same thing, Pastor Justin. Gotcha, right? The good news, the gospel. So when, when it says like he was going around preaching the good news of God, it means that he's going around and he's preaching the gospel. But then, but then let's peel back a little bit more. What is the gospel? And if you went to Sunday school again, you'd be able to tell me. You'd be like, well, I know exactly what the gospel is, Pastor Justin. Let me tell you. I have it memorized, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, a.k.a. Jesus, that he came, that he died a sinner's death, that he rose from the dead three days later so that when I put my faith in him, I get to go to heaven one day. That's the gospel. To which I would say, well, that certainly is good news, right? Like that, that's, that sounds like the gospel to me. But there's only one problem with that. Most of that hadn't happened yet. So what was the good news? What was the gospel that Jesus was preaching? To which you're probably thinking, Pastor Justin, I think you're a heretic right now. Are you telling me that the gospel that Jesus was preaching and the gospel that we preach are two different gospels? Because I've heard, I think that another place in the Bible will tell you and me that you're a heretic and that you're going to go to hell because you can't preach another gospel. You know, if, a, if an angel from heaven comes and preaches another gospel other than this, then you, listen, I know, and I, no, 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 I'm going down there, Pastor Justin. Here's the reality, though. Let's think about this. If more than half of the gospel that we preach, that, 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 that we've spelled out, hasn't happened yet, then what was the gospel? What was the good news that people were actually hearing Jesus proclaim. Are you telling me that it's different? I'm not telling you that it's different. I'm telling you that it, maybe it's a little more full than the theological treatise we've reduced it to. So if you're wondering what Jesus actually proclaimed to these people when he was speaking the good news, we read it in verse 15. Let me walk down through it. The first thing he says is this. The time has come. This is, his, this, is, this is his sermon. He says, the time has come. Now, there's two words when it comes to the New Testament use of the word time. Two words. One is chronos. The other is kairos. Chronos is used to give like a specific time or place. So if you said like, what, what time is it? What chronos is it? I would say, well, it's uh, Sunday morning. It's 11.07 in the morning. Okay, that's the chronos time. But the word here used when he says the time has come is the word kairos, which means um, more of like a, a moment, an event, a culmination, a season. And so when Jesus is saying that the time has come, he's proclaiming that the fullness of time has now fully come. There's this culmination of time. 
It's this understanding that time is not winding down. It's actually winding up. That history isn't random. History is linear and it's leading somewhere. This is, this is the whole idea of the This is the whole idea of the gospel that like God has a plan from the beginning and time isn't degrading and winding down. Time is winding up to a culmination where Jesus comes on the scene and says the time has now fully come. He's saying everything that has happened before has been preparation for what is happening right now. Now, everything that from the Old Testament has been a foreshadow of what is happening right now. The arrival of Jesus on the scene is the beginning of a new age. The old has passed away, the new has become, and everything is changing. The time has come. This is what Jesus says. The time has come. The question is this, time for what? Time for what? He goes on, verse 15. He says this, The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. There it is again. I mean, this is his sermon put into a sentence. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. So Jesus' message as he proclaims all over the place to, to large groups of people, to crowds, to small groups, and to individuals is this. The kingdom of God has come near. It is not far. And it is right now which means that the kingdom of God is not something um, involving pearly gates and the sweet by and by. It means that the kingdom of God is right now. It means that Jesus wasn't going around as he comes out and he's still wet or whatever, I don't know, from, from getting baptized and has his, he's preaching the kingdom of God. He's not telling people, hey guys, gather around, gather around. I've got some really good news for you. You have something to look forward to when you die. It's not the gospel. It may be the theological treatise that we've reduced the gospel to. It is not the gospel. Because the gospel of the kingdom is now. Right now. It is a promise, but it is also a reality right now. The time has now fully come. This, I don't know about you, but when I I read this this week, it was like, what in the world? changes things for you of what Jesus was preaching. The kingdom is here and the kingdom is now. Because why? Because the king has arrived. Why else would some of Jesus's followers, his, his, his inner core, get all upset and confused right there at the end, right? When they're like, you know what, Jesus, um, you, you know, I know you just say the word, I've got a sword, I'm ready to go. Um, we're we're going to take over the Roman Empire and this is going to happen. Why do you think his, his followers were getting all hyped up about that? One of them literally cuts off a guy's ear and Jesus has to be like, put it back on for him. I mean, these guys are like rebels. They're ready to go. Why would they think that? Why? Because Jesus was talking about his kingdom all the time. And they're like, this is the new king. Except he wasn't talking about a kingdom of this world. He wasn't talking about a kingdom like we know kingdoms. He was the king of, of a different type of kingdom. This is a king, a kingdom without borders. This is a kingdom without a common language, common race, color, or tribe. This king brings his kingdom wherever he goes. The kingdom is here and the kingdom is now. Jeremiah uh, prophesies about this in Jeremiah 31, 33. 
He says, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they will be my people. In other words, Jesus shows up on the scene and is proclaiming the kingdom has come and the kingdom is portable. Which means you could be American, you can be under Roman oppression. You can live throughout a span of time. You could be of different color, different race, not even speak the same language and be part of the same kingdom all over the world. The kingdom has come, the kingdom is here, and the kingdom is now. So here's the question. If, if, if the fullness of it has fully come, right? The time has come and the kingdom is near. Why is it that so many people don't perceive it? Why is it that you have friends and coworkers and family members that scoff at your Christianity? Why is it, if the, if the time has come and the kingdom is near, why is it that you have people that even within church services can be in the very same church service and some people are literally worshiping their, their, their heads off, getting all kinds of calisthenic time in, and other people are standing there just feeling absolutely nothing? What is that? We see this in, in John chapter 18, when, John, when Jesus is before um, Pontius Pilate. Pilate then goes, in verse 33, Pilate then went back into the palace and summoned Jesus and asked him this question, the question that everyone is wondering, the question that, that people are talking about, that people are murmuring about, that the crowds are insinuating or believing Jesus to be, and they ask him, are you the king of the Jews? Because everyone's talking about this kingdom. I don't know where it is because it seems like you're still under Roman oppression here because you're here and you're tied up and we, we're going to beat you. Like we're, so where, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus says in verse 36, he says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by Jewish leaders. I mean, one of them did. Try to cut the guy's ear off. And I had to put it back on there, right? But that wasn't, I didn't tell him to do that. And then he finishes it. And he says, but, my, but now my kingdom is from another place. And it's this reality as we talk about the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of God is not of this world, but it is certainly for this world. Right now. And Jesus, as he was going around preaching the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of this new kingdom and this new king, was inviting every person he met to join the kingdom. That's what he was doing. He's going around and he's, he's inviting everyone, not only through his words, but in his deeds. See, sometimes if you read the Bible and if you're, you know, you go through the Gospels and if you don't have a kingdom mentality, you just read it and you're kind of like wondering, like, what is up with this Jesus guy? He's got a lot of nice things to say. He's got a little like Messiah complex, but like he's kind of got this like, he's got a lot of good teachings and I, and I really like it. A lot about life and I can take some of those things and pick and choose. And then he does a lot of really nice things for people. He heals the sick, and there was that blind guy that he let him see, and he spit on his eyes, but it was kind of crummy. But he did, you know, heal the guy. He would feed 5,000 people with a free lunch. That's a really nice thing to do. He heals lepers, like when they ask him, like, that's a, that's a, that's a great thing. The problem is this is that Jesus is not doing random acts of kindness, he's bringing the kingdom with him everywhere he goes. Not just words, but he's bringing freedom to those who are captive. He's bringing healing to those who need it. He's bringing forgiveness 
to those who will receive it. He's bringing the kingdom everywhere he goes. Let me prove it to you. A couple of scriptures. Matthew chapter 12, verse 28. It says this. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Catch that. He's saying, but if by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. He's likening this reality that like, yes, I'm not just doing random acts of kindness. Yes, I freed this person from demonic oppression, but I'm just telling you, it's not just because I'm nice. It's not just because he asked me. It's not just because I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm telling you the kingdom of God has come upon you. And when the kingdom of God comes upon you, demons flee. When the kingdom of God comes upon you, all of a sudden healing manifests. When the kingdom of God comes upon you, the brokenness that you just don't know how to get right fixed is healed. The kingdom of God has come upon them. Luke chapter 9, verse 2. Jesus is talking to his disciples. And this is what he tells his disciples to do. He sends them out. And he says, and he sent them, the disciples, out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So he's telling them. He's like, I want you to go out and pro- proclaim the kingdom. But don't just do it with words. Do it with action. I want you to go out and proclaim the kingdom. And part of that, part of bringing the kingdom to people is, is healing the sick. The sick. He was bringing the kingdom and inviting and proclaiming Everywhere he went, he brought the kingdom with him. And so the question is this. Do you perceive it? Is Jesus your king? Do you perceive the kingdom around you right now? Because Jesus was always saying things. If you read through some of his teachings, he's always saying, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. What does that even mean? I, I turn up your ear. Like, what are you talking about? You got ears to hear? Let them hear. I can hear you. I'm just, he's saying like, I know you have ears physically to hear the words that are coming out of my mouth, but I need you to pay attention spiritually because I'm inviting you to something that you don't even realize. I'm inviting you into this kingdom. So pay attention. Don't just listen with these. Listen with this, I want you to perceive, to see, and to enter the kingdom of God. I know you can hear me. Because, but here's, some, some people will listen to Jesus, and they're like, well, that was a really nice teaching. You know, you're a nice guy. Maybe you're a miracle worker, a magician, not really sure. But others with ears to hear will hear the king inviting you to his kingdom, to participate in it. And Jesus continues. He says, the time has come. The kingdom has come near, and then he ends it, and he says, this is the last part of his, of his message that he preached all through. Repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe the good news. Because the good news of the kingdom is not something that you just agree to. It's something that you're called to participate in. Which is why he uses a word, like kind of an archaic word, like repent. It kind of goes along. We don't like talking about it much in churches even today because it goes along with this other word, the S word, sin. That we don't like to necessarily believe that we do anymore. We just make mistakes or it's just my choice. He says repent. And I just want you to understand, like when he says repent, a lot of times we're like, yeah, you need to repent of your sin. You don't need to just be sorry about it, but you need to you know, turn from your wicked ways and all those types of things. He's not just talking about turning away from your sin. The, the word repent actually means to change your mind, to think differently, to reconsider. To, to do an about face, to turn from 
the kingdom of this world in its norms and its culture and to turn holy your whole self towards God and this new kingdom and this brand new king in your life. That's what he's talking about when he says repent. He's saying reconsider. Think differently and allow the kingdom of God in its culture, in its norms to change you from the inside out. And until you do this, you'll miss it. You'll miss the kingdom. Like until you do this, you will find continually yourself and your opinions at odds with God's will. You'll continually be fighting with him. Like until you choose to say, I am not serving this world and this king, I have a new kingdom and a new king that I'm serving, you will continually find yourself at odds with his will and his ways. And I'll just tell you, what it means is that you are on the throne and he isn't. And when that happens, you usually win out. He says, the time has come. Right now, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent. Turn. Not just turn from your wicked ways, but turn towards the good news of the kingdom and this king that is so, so good. And then he ends it and he says, and believe. And believe. This word believe isn't just something about like giving mental assent to. I mean, it's not like, you know what, just, just try really hard and like just put your head down so that you don't see all the, all the, you know, science around you and just believe. Believe in things. Believe in the Easter Bunny. Believe in Santa Claus. Believe in science. Believe in these. Believe, believe, believe. Just, he's not talking about that. He's actually saying it's something, this, this word that, that has this, um, this idea of putting your trust in something. Like fully giving yourself, surrendering yourself to something. The kingdom of God has come near. But the question is, like, have you allowed the kingdom to come close to you? Have you allowed yourself to love and to submit to the king of this new kingdom? Have you put your trust, not in a government, not in a, not in a philosophy, not in a way of life, not even in yourself or in your own ideas, but have you put your trust in a king, in King Jesus and his kingdom? Now, I'm not, I'm not just talking to unbelievers. Because some of us in here are like, man, I just wish my neighbor heard this message. In fact, I may send it to them, right? Because they need to hear this. I'm actually talking to believers. I'm talking to card-carrying members. I'm talking to giving, serving church people. Do you perceive the kingdom of God? Are there areas in your life where, yes, I know I've, I, I, I'm trusting Jesus for, for that, that I put my trust in him so that when I die one day in the sweet by and by, I get to see the pearly gates and I get to go to heaven when I die. But, but what about right now when Jesus comes in and says, now the time has come. There is freedom for the captives, those caught in addiction. There, there is forgiveness for the sinner. There is healing for the sick. What area of your life are you not allowing the kingdom to come in, to, to trust and submit to King Jesus? Why don't you stand with me? We're going to receive communion together today, and uh, I, want to, I want to read this scripture to you, because I love the way that the writer of Hebrews describes it, the kingdom 
He says this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. It says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let me say it one more time. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. The reality is, is there is a whole lot of shaking going on, isn't there? Uh, 2020 into Second 2020, also known as 2021, right? And now we're into 2022, and we hope that 2020 and part B of 2020 are gone, and we get to normal life, whatever that looks like. There's a whole lot of shaking going on in our world, in our government. There's a whole lot of shaking going on in our families. There's a whole lot of shaking going on in our churches. There is shaking going on. And if we're not careful, we start to rely on things that aren't the kingdom, and so we start thinking things like, well, you know what, if, if everybody would just go, you know, just turn right, because right is, is, is Republican and, 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 and that they're the solution. If we could just, if we could just do this, then everyone would just be fine. Or as some people think, you know, if you just turn left, because a Democrat's the way to go, and that's the solution. But Jesus' solution is literally, it's like, oh, this kingdom is not of this world. Jesus' solution is to turn not left or turn right, it's to turn around. It's, it, Jesus is like, I, I think you're thinking not of this kingdom, but of a different kingdom. I, I, I think you need to turn around to repent and believe the good news of the kingdom of God, to submit and to surrender to an entirely different kingdom, a kingdom that is not of this world, a kingdom that cannot be shaken. The Bible says that that which can be shaken will be shaken, so that which cannot be shaken will remain. What if, what if all the shaken that's going on is actually revealing a very shaken world, an unshakable kingdom? What if God is waiting for his church to arise, to wake up, and to usher in an unshakable kingdom as we remain unshaken by all the shaking going on. So that you can watch the news and know, yeah, that's bad news, but I got the good news. Like, I'm not actually putting my hope in, in bad news or any news. I'm putting my hope in the good news of the kingdom of God. What if God is waiting for his people who are called by his name to humble themselves and to pray and to seek his face and to turn from their wicked ways so that the kingdom can come on earth as it is in heaven? Those who have ears, let them hear. we celebrate communion today. I love communion because it is a perfect example of perceiving the kingdom at work right now. For some, you look at it and you're like, I don't, I don't know, this is like, 
is the thing that we do. It's a routine. It's a tradition. It's the thing that we do once a month at, you know, the first Sunday of, of every month. For some, it's snack time. For some, it's, I don't necessarily know what this is. I know it's holy and I want to do it and I'm mad if we haven't. I don't necessarily know why. But to those who had ears to hear on that first Last Supper and those who have ears to hear this morning, it is a reminder of the king and his kingdom that you are a citizen of and that you are a citizen of and that you are a citizen of and that we are citizens of. As we take communion together, we're reminded of a kingdom that that we're not part of by birth, but by rebirth. Not by earning, but by receiving. Not by anything that we have done, but by everything that King Jesus has done for you. And so my prayer today, as we do this routine, this habit, spiritual thing, I pray that as you receive communion today, that the kingdom would come upon you. Not just in word, but in deed. I pray for those that need healing right now would receive healing in Jesus' name, that the kingdom would come upon you. I pray for those who are caught in the trap of addiction would be freed, that the kingdom would come upon you. I pray for those who need forgiveness would receive it, that the kingdom would come upon you. I pray for those who are struggling with their identity, that the kingdom would come upon you and you would know who you are. And so I, prof- I prophesy that the kingdom would come upon you today and that the king would be your king, that you would perceive him moving right now. Not in the sweet by and by. Not with pearly gates. Not with fat little cherubs. But right now, today. For I receive from the Lord what I pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup, this cup is, is, is the new covenant, the new kingdom, right? Begun in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me, your king, and this kingdom that you've been ushered into, invited to. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's drink. Lord, I thank you that your kingdom is coming in the lives of people right now. I pray healing. I pray forgiveness where people need it. I pray for, I pray for those that are heartbroken right now, that have a hole that just cannot be filled. I pray that the kingdom will come upon them in Jesus' name right now. I pray for those that need to be freed from demonic oppression, that the kingdom would come upon you right now now. Those that are caught in addiction, that the kingdom would come upon you right now. Lord, I thank you that you didn't just come to die, to rise again so that we could 
one day get to go to heaven, but that you came to usher in and to proclaim and to invite us into a kingdom <laughs> that is so near that we are not far. Lord, I thank you that you are near to the brokenhearted. I pray that you would continue to lead us on into your kingdom, a greater understanding and a greater revelation of it. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.